Welcome to the Creator Coco podcast. I'm your host, Ian Mumbai. This podcast helps you become a better creator by helping you learn from what other creators have already figured out. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us a tweet at Creator Coco. That's Creator and then C O C O A. In this episode, we talk to Chris Munialo about how Bitcoin was launched, how that led to the creation of Ethereum, uh, making your crypto assets work for you, and the future of crypto. I hope you learn something that helps you become a better creator. For this meetup, for the most part, I just wanted to go into like uh, a kind of a deep dive about how different cryptos work because a lot of the times, on the surface, we usually talk about um, mostly about Bitcoin, but a lot of people don't really understand the differences between different cryptos. And I think that these differences are actually very important and that cryptocurrency isn't just, um, it's not one thing uh, how people think. Maybe when it started because it was only Bitcoin, uh, it was one thing, but as things have evolved, uh, other cryptos, especially things like Ethereum, um, other things like Solana, like the, these nuances have become very large and they, they've started to matter. So it's important for people to know the differences between the cryptos, right? That's true. It's not just about the original vision we had. Like things have already kind of uh, evolved to more use cases. And I think uh, the new generation of blockchains try to address that. Exactly. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to start by talking about Bitcoin itself. So the original paper um, released by Satoshi Nakamoto in, I think, 2009 or 2008, something around that time. Um, and it was a paper that described a system, a peer-to-peer let me actually look at that. Uh, so here, I'm, here I am on the Bitcoin paper itself on Bitcoin.org. So the original paper that was released was called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. And uh, the idea here was to use technology, use mathematics, use cryptography and you know CPUs and all the technology we have to try and find a better way of sending money and receiving money. Because the current way of doing it is always tied to third parties, is always tied to banks, and these banks can fail, these banks can get greedy and, you know, um, uh, lend out your money, uh, basically, to people who can't uh, pay back so the economy crashes, and they get bailed out by governments using taxpayer money. So finding, using, trying to use technology to solve this problem is what this person or people called Satoshi Nakamoto released, Um, And initially, Bitcoin was a thing for, it was basically for hobbyists and it was for people who are considered nerds as any modern, as any technology that is starting with, you need a small number of funds in the beginning. Um, And I got into Bitcoin a while back as well. I got into Bitcoin maybe around 2014 or 2015. Um, Initially, I was interested in seeing how I was interested in the intersection, basically, between M-Pesa and this new thing called Bitcoin. But even back then, um, I don't think it was 
it was time yet for something like that to happen. Um, so, so that's Bitcoin. Um, it's a it's a technology. It allows us to send and receive money using something called proof of work. Um, and proof of work basically means that all these computers around the world, who which are part of this network, have to do some kind of mathematics or some calculation in order to prove that they are, you know, legitimate, so that the transactions can be added to the blockchain. So that's uh, Bitcoin proof of work. Chris, do you have any um, interesting um, aspects of Bitcoin? or interesting stories about Bitcoin or the history of Bitcoin that you want to point out? So I think uh, for a long time, the idea of uh, having a decentralized form of money uh, was floating around. And one thing that Bitcoin tries to solve is the issue of, uh, because we know since uh, the Nixon administration removed the gold-backed uh, uh, dollar uh, value, there was this issue of inflation. So, like the government just prints money, and over time, this money loses value. So, the question I think people are trying to solve is, you know, how do we come up with ways we can actually influence or you know uh, maintain the value of money without relying on greedy governments they were generally just governments uh, trying to control our lives by you know influencing the inflation decisions so like in the 2008 uh, financial crisis i think that was the time now when uh, satoshi um wrote that white paper. So I think in a way, it's trying to just uh, move that financial freedom from the government uh, into people's own hands. So I think um, this is what people call libertism or something, but that's just the political side of it. But generally just gives us power to, you know, have decisions on, on, the, on the value of money instead of relying on the government and politicians. I think that's, awesome. yeah, that's yeah. an aspect I'd like to highlight. Uh, so you've said some very important things there. So first of all, this idea that we used to be backed by, the, basically our money used to be backed by gold or actual tangible stuff, but, but you can, to some extent, okay, okay, gold is rare or it's valuable because it's rare. So it's good for it to be backed by something. But still, money is such a, an interesting idea. Like it's so, it's so um, abstract and, and, and weird. For example, uh, when, 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 when money stops being backed by something, that's not a change that is easy for people to understand because um, you can see your money but, and you can trade it to someone else, but because we all believe that money is money and money is worth something, somehow that ends up powering our lives and we end up working for this thing. This is what we end up getting paid for. We end up starting businesses and, and we are working for this thing called money, but it's such a, an abstract idea. 
So Bitcoin and all these other things are giving us the power because, again, when you control the money, when the rich people are the ones who control the money, the banks and the hedge funds and all those kinds of people, um, it takes away power from the rest of us because before none of us could, um, it was much more difficult for us to send money across the world to anyone that we wanted without providing all this information that um, these banks needed that they could use to shut you down if they needed to. So it's very awesome that uh, power, as you said, has moved from these rich and mighty banks, um, and now it's more decentralized. And we're and that's actually the whole point. It was they're supposed to be peer to peer, so it's decentralized. And um, yeah, so um, let's continue talking about. Um, I don't know whether I'm thinking should I continue talking about Bitcoin or should I move to Ethereum because. Uh, Bitcoin, I feel like a lot of people are aware of it in general, how it works. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, when you talk of Bitcoin, uh, when you talk of cryptocurrency, I think most people, uh, in their mind, Bitcoin will come to their mind. Um, but I think uh, something about Bitcoin and, you know, the journey towards Ethereum. Uh, I think the founder for Ethereum, Vitalik, used to write a Bitcoin magazine. And, you know, he just had a lot of insight into how Bitcoin works. And, you know, how, I think, how we can now make this programmable and you know, use Bitcoin outside just sending money and receiving money. Uh, you could actually achieve more with blockchains than just you know sending and receiving money. And I think this is where now the idea of Ethereum came in. So basically, trying to have programmable, you know, just making money programmable. You know, trying to have other applications like. Uh, maybe you want decentralized finance. Maybe you want to um, uh, get real life data and you know, add code that into the blockchain. Maybe you want to have a trustless system where guys can exchange value, uh, things like NFTs. So basically, it's just an involvement of the original idea and trying to find more ways into how we can use the blockchain uh, to make other useful applications out of it. So yeah, in my opinion, I feel like that's what uh, was the genesis of all these other uh, blockchain solutions. And uh, actually created a perfect segue between how Bitcoin started and how Ethereum started, because uh, when that paper, that original Bitcoin paper was released, it, it did two things. So the first thing is it created a new technology or it was not a new technology. I think the idea of a blockchain kind of existed before, but um, it created this technology called blockchain. And then on top of that, it built an application called Bitcoin. So, and, 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 and blockchain now has been the foundation of other things like Ethereum, Solana, and all these other things. This idea that you can have this uh, decentralized ledger um, all across the world on many different nodes, and it can be decentralized. So um, 
that's the segue between those two. And uh, now I want to talk about Ethereum itself. So right now I'm on the Ethereum website and I want to read a few of the quotes that you can find here about Ethereum. So how they present themselves is they say, Ethereum is open to everyone. All you need is a wallet to take part. So it's, it's an open access digital money. It's data friendly services for everyone, no matter your background or location. And the things that they're promising is they want to provide banking for everyone. So um, Ethereum wants to provide access to, to lending, to borrowing, to everyone. And all you need is going to be an internet connection. So that hasn't, okay, I'm not sure whether that's any um, distributed yet or whether people have access to it yet, but because I haven't heard of anything like this yet, um, I assume this is something that will, is one of the bene pot potential benefits. So more, more people, and this is something we'll be able to access um, financial services. You can lend, you can borrow, and you can do savings. Um, and I don't see many companies necessarily jumping into this space right now. So what do you think about banking when it relates to crypto? This is something which I... I think initially when I saw, I got so, I thought this is one of the crypto scams, uh, you know, like, how is this possible? How should I trust someone? Yeah, initially yeah. I was very cautious about it, but after I took a while, just try to understand the whole decentralized finance field, I think I got to learn a lot of things. So we have some, uh, applications, uh, finance tools like Aave. Uh, we have, I think, Decentraland. We have Y Finance. And all these are applications which allow you to lend your, uh, your crypto assets. And then uh, you can get yield from that you can you can get some returns from that so maybe uh, you get five percent you get one percent back and someone who borrows can actually uh, use whatever they've borrowed to buy other assets let's assume an example is i have bitcoin and maybe i predict that this new coin called ethereum is going to increasing value so what i do is i provide my bitcoin as security and then i borrow the ethereum or ether sorry ether so what happens is maybe after a month the price of ether has really increased so i sell that uh, i convert to a stable coin and then now whatever is remaining return it as ether and at the end of the day, I've already made some money out of it. So when you actually look at it, it's a, it's a space where there is potential to actually um, get benefits out of it. So it's just like a whole replication of the financial systems we have in the crypto space. So I, I feel like it's very powerful and this is something which uh, you know, you are not a hedge fund, you can't go and short uh, stocks. But at least now with uh, crypto, you also have power to actually invest or learn uh, using your crypto assets. 
And uh, you've mentioned something there. So I said that I am not yet familiar with these services, but it seems like it's something you already have experience in. Do you want to tell me what are the names of those services again and what has been your experience with them? So uh, an example I've used Ave before, double uh, A-V-E. So with Ave, what happens is you can... If you have you if you have some crypto assets like Bitcoin or Ethereum, you can go and lend it to other people. And once you lend, you you are given some percentage out of it. So the reason why you're getting these returns is because once you've lend it, someone is going to borrow. And as I mentioned before, when you borrow you so as I mentioned before, when you borrow, you are looking, you already have opportunities for making more money, which you are looking to explore. So one could be you are speculating the value of something might be increasing. So you, you use your asset, then buy the one you which you are speculating the value to increase. And then once you get the increase in value, you sell it and now repay your loan. Um Another use case would be, for example, uh, this called uh, price arbitrage, where you maybe you the price of Ethereum. I'm just saying Ethereum instead of Ether. The price of Ether in Binance is um, three thousand dollars, and then the price of Ether in in Crypto.com is $3,002. So if you want to borrow and buy um, buy from Binance, then you sell in crypto.com, you're going to make a profit of $2 for each of the ether that you've bought. So these are opportunities which you might want to borrow and then execute those trades make a profit and then return uh, what you've borrowed. So that is how you're going to make money and that's the incentive for you to borrow. And then now the person who has lent you is going to get a cut out of your profit. So yeah, I think Ave is the first one I tried and I think the only difference between uh, borrowing um, in real life and, you know, in the crypto space is the rates keep changing because the variable rates are because uh, are due to demand and supply forces. So if most people are borrowing, uh, instead of, if the, 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 there is pressure to borrow, uh, that will mean that the the rates become higher, and if less people are borrowing, then the rates will become lower for you who is lending to them. Wow, um, and that's actually a very interesting dynamic. So thank you so much for teaching me teaching me about that. Um, I have a question here about um, you said price arbitrage, and this idea that different exchanges might have different prices. I know that that is something people who have really powerful algorithms and stuff, 
usually take advantage of. Um, so what do you think about this competition of uh, between the powerful companies who can afford the resources? Basically, they live off of things like arbitrage, where they have algorithms that trade those differences in like milliseconds. Um, so that was that was one. I had another question about, um, oh, yes, yes, yes. And what do you think about that versus the strategy of regularly investing your crypto or the income or the savings that you want to invest uh, over a certain period of time? So basically uh, actively managing your fund or your savings versus doing it passively and not monitoring the market that much. So let me start with the first one. Uh so with regards to looking at the arbitrage, um, you know, just trying to benefit of differences between the value of the of similar assets in different, let me call them marketplaces. I think it's actually a space where everyone should be free to uh, enter and, you know, try make money out of it. So I think uh, you you don't really need to have the powerful computers because you can just use scripts. Uh, if you actually know what code, uh, you can just do scripts that check these price differences and uh, now execute your trades uh, using them. So I think there are a number of companies which or products which actually can offer you the scripts and then you can use them to buy uh, through APIs with the centralized ex exchanges. So it's more of just people having knowledge about this, just knowing that you don't need to have uh, any powerful machines or uh, do this manually. It's actually something which you can automate. And once you automate, uh, looking at the prices and executing trades, then it should be possible for you to actually benefit uh, from these differences in prices. Uh, one product I've seen, uh, and of course this is not an endorsement, uh, it's called a ARC. Um, so, active revenue coin so basically they have integrations with the centralized exchanges and then now they can uh, you you can use that integration to execute trades using that platform but of course if you know how to code uh, you don't need to pay anyone you can always now do your own integrations uh, with the exchanges so Actually, for example, Binance, they provide uh, tokens which and keys which you, you can use to, to do transactions through APIs. So you actually won't need to use, uh, to log in manually and execute the trades. Uh, with regards to just buying and, you know, passively managing that, I feel like uh, that's the best strategy. Uh, in my opinion, you don't need to do any trades and 
trades are very, you know, day trading is very time consuming and yeah, you're prone to lose money if you're not uh, an expert. But I don't really consider uh, some of the DeFi practices as day trading. So an example is if I own some um, polka dot, I think they are called dots. If I own some of them, instead of me just, you know, putting them in some cold storage, I could actually just take those dots. And then uh, by staking, earn something like maybe 7% uh, out of them. Uh, and also Ethereum is moving towards the same direction. I think with uh, at 2.0, I will be moving to uh, proof of stake, whereby instead of just you uh, having your coins in a wallet, you can now put it in a pool. And then that way, by providing security to the network, you, you can earn from that. So personally, I look for such opportunities. I don't just have my you know, crypto assets lying around. In case I can stake them, I'll stake them. In case I want to give them up for lending and earn something out of it, I'll do that. But of course, there is always the risk that if maybe you stake and your pool does something malicious, you might be penalized and lose something. Uh, in case you offer it up for lending and um, the, the, the contract has an issue and it gets hurt, you lose your money. But I, in my opinion, I feel it's a lower risk. Uh, if it's just an issue of risk reward. If you feel like you will earn some more, you can go for it. Uh, but generally, it's lower risk compared to day trading, trying to find out, uh, speculating the differences in prices. Yeah, so I'd say there are those people who just hold on and, you know, cause storage and people who can do staking and all that. And there are people who will now do day trading, which I find the most risky. Back to you, Jan. Awesome. Uh, thank you for that. Like in this one podcast, I'm learning so much in this in this uh, meetup. Like you're talking about things I've never even heard before. <laughs> like um, I'm, <laughs> yeah. so I'm I'm just so happy that um, uh, that you're telling me all of this because I didn't know some of this stuff. So um, you're teaching me some of this stuff for the first time. So I'm also learning. And the next thing I wanted us to talk about now, as uh, as we're learning about Ethereum was um, some of the um, applications that Ethereum has. So one thing which I I have always been interested in, in Ethereum and I've always been Googling uh, for a few years now, once in a while, is I've always been going to Google and searching for Bitcoin use cases or Ethereum use cases or um, blockchain use cases. Because I'm trying to figure out um, if this technology is so revolutionary, apart from finance, okay, it's already, it's, it, it's important, I agree. But what are some of the things which um, applications of blockchain, which are going to pop up that we're not thinking about right now? Because as you've mentioned, 
um, if you can code, you can pretty much do anything that you want on the internet. It's a very powerful skill for us to have in our modern world. Like learning how to code can allow you to do a lot. And learning how to code means that you can also code your own blockchain. You can also code your own um, future uh, crypto applications. And so that's what I've been thinking about. And one of the things I've been doing is coming to um, some of these Ethereum or um, what do I call them? Uh, let me go to DAP, DAP Radar. There's a site called DAP Radar where they showcase apps. So it's like an app store, but it is for uh, distributed apps. So DAP is um, distributed. What does that mean? Meaning? Yeah, the decentralized apps. Decentralized apps, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so, so the question is now, if, as a, if, if you're coming from Nubland, you don't really understand how crypto works and you want to get access to crypto, how can we make that user experience, you know, how can we improve that user experience? And some people have started solving that problem by creating websites where you can go and see all the different crypto apps that people are building if you want to enter Web3. So I've come here, but um, nothing has ever stuck to me. Um, I don't know whether it's because I don't completely understand all this stuff or, um, or or I don't know what, but I've never really gotten into some of these crypto games, these crypto apps where you earn money in some way. To me, it feels still feels a bit scammy-ish, still feels a bit weird. Um, so I'm wondering whether have you interacted with any dApps? Um, uh, do you, have you played around with any of them? Do you know about any good ones? Uh, what do you think about them? Yeah, when it comes to dApps, I think uh, as you as you've mentioned, uh, the user experience is really bad. I'd say uh, in twenty twenty two, crypto is actually for it's not for normal persons. It's actually for uh, people who understand. Uh, technology quite in-depth. I'd say it's for geeks. Uh, so, and the reason why I say this is because, uh, well, generally for blockchain, number one thing uh, is security. And in most cases, this tied to uh, the public keys. So, First of all, when you try to create a wallet, uh, you have to have the maybe the private key or the the seed phrase, and it's just too much work uh, for someone who would want to just have a simple password. Um, so I'd say that's one of the things which uh, people uh, which we should actually be trying to solve for. I remember, I think, two weeks ago, uh, there is this um, there is this uh, token called Swivel, not no Swivel, it's called Sweet Sweet Token, uh, uh, by a company called Swery. Uh, it's actually Kenyan based. So I was trying it out, and one of the things. Uh, which I noticed was you sign up using uh, your email and phone number. And then now when you get into the app, you also need to now start 
noting down your seed phrase. And, you know, I'm like, how do I convince, let's say, my, 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 my parents to use this? Because it's just too much for, for someone to do it. You know, what's the best way we can do in order to make it easy for people to use it? So user experience-wise, we still a long way to go. I'd say a lot needs to be figured out. But uh, nonetheless, I think for DApps, um, DApps, the ones which have, I feel are important uh, or have had benefit to me, um, number one are the DEXs. So DEXs are decentralized exchanges. Um, so for example, a simple example is Uniswap. So you want to exchange uh, your Ether for something else built on Ether. So you need to, you can use uh, something like Uniswap. Uh, if you are in Binance chain, you can use something like PancakeSwap. So I feel like those are some of the most powerful uh, dApps we have so far. Um, others that I've come across, uh, I think uh, if you're trying to learn about Solidity, uh, there is an application, uh, a dApp, which is made in form of a game. Uh, I think it's called Crypto Zombies. Yeah, so with Crypto Zombies, just they've tried to gamify learning how to code in Solidity. And I found it very useful uh, because you're not, it's not just trying to, uh, it's not just a game, but you actually try, you're learning the fundamental principles of. Uh, whether it's about games themselves or uh, about crypto, but using this uh, day up. So actually those are the ones which have stuck out so far. Uh, and then if you are into uh, DeFi, I think, uh, well, I can't recall the name, but there are some apps which are uh, apps which you can use to uh, track your investments. So let's say uh, you've invested in Aave, you've done staking in Decentraland or any other place. So you'll go to the day up and then it will just show how much you, uh, you've invested in each of these protocols or in, uh, in, in each of those uh, protocols. So Somehow I find those use cases appealing and they're actually trying to solve something. Uh, you mentioned something interesting there, which is that there's one D app that is helping you uh, learn more about, Sol more about our Solidity. Um, and I wanted to ask, have they um, implemented any use case of blockchain that makes that type of education uh, more uh, effective than an app that does not use the blockchain? Actually, no. I feel like the way you mentioned, uh, even if uh, it's just about games, but there is nothing really different. 
from doing the game without using blockchain. So I still find most, uh, whenever people try to do something on blockchain, it's just existing ideas, but trying to now uh, make sure that it's easy to monetize them. So I, I, I think yeah. that's the only value addition it's giving to them. And you can easily monetize uh, on, on your end. Okay. Um, and to me, um, some of these patterns that we're seeing, you know, when I started my career in engineering, I was in a specific place in the tech history. So things like um, the iPhone being launched and some of these other things I had missed. So now when this crypto thing is happening again, I'm starting to see things which are which you might consider patterns. For example, I'm sure that when the app uh, market first, uh, first launched, people are doing the same things that they're currently doing with crypto. Like you're trying to build, to bring things that are from the real world and you're trying to put them in your technology. For example, even the UI, I think there's even a name for that. Um, I should have that name, but there's a, there's, a, there's a term for bringing things into the real world and trying to put them into, the, into technology. For example, uh, the UI, if you have things like bookshelves in iOS apps, they used to look real. And, and, and it's so, so it's people now trying to bring ideas from Web 2.0, and we're trying to place them onto this new thing called, the, okay, basically this new uh, web. And we're trying to fit it into there. So we still haven't figured out what we're doing, right? Yeah, that's true. We are still in the early stages, you know, back in the day when in the App Store, uh, is it uh, in Play Store, you'd find guys just having uh, HTML versions of the app. They're just putting websites in there. So I feel like it's more or less the same thing. We haven't got to uh, situations where guys are actually trying to solve something. They're just trying to uh figure out you know it's like you already have a solution but you don't have a problem so yeah we are in those early stages and to me that's very exciting first of all because we're still early in the crypto industry that means there's still a lot of of money to be made and a lot of innovation that's going to come our way and uh the the good thing is is that in this period of history we're living in it's not just in this one thing called blockchain or crypto it's happening across many different fronts like right now, even like things like electric vehicles, things like AI, things like people's access to the internet. So like if you combine all of these things, I'm just super optimistic about uh, where we are currently in history. I feel like we're at the most advanced point we have ever been. And the future is only going to get brighter. And the path for people to get there is to learn more about computers, learn more about coding, because it's difficult to survive in that kind of future if you can't communicate with the machines and the bots, um, even if they're on servers. Some people think, um, this is something I had from a different podcast, which is that um, sometimes um, we, we think about, um, when you say about, when you, think, when you think about robots, we usually think about the hardware, like we think about actual robots walking around, like things like Boston Dynamics. But... Uh, but but there's bots all around us, but they're just in our software. So the robot revolution or the idea of us living with robots all the time has already happened. It's just that a lot of them are software robots. Um, 
Um, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting idea. So I'm just saying right now I'm very optimistic. And with you, what do you think about the future um, in general? What's your perspective? Um, so I think I'm also optimistic uh, about the future of, I call it blockchain and uh, with 3.0 in general. Uh, but I'm also pessimistic uh, about regulation somehow. I feel like, um, yeah, we, we do not know what's going to happen on the regulation side. I think sometime back we saw in the EU their proposals to uh, ban uh blockchains which use uh, uh uh sorry in the eu there are proposals because you know the energy issues and uh the the war in ukraine so there was this proposal just prevent uh wastage of energy they would actually consider burning uh bitcoin and other proof of work blockchains. So, well, I'm not a proponent of proof of work that much. I still feel like, yes, maybe you could go to other uh, ways of doing it. Uh, maybe use proof of stake the way Ethereum is doing. But generally, I think what the war in Ukraine has led us to know is that uh, governments are ready to use finance as a weapon and you just never know when it's going to be in your favor or against your favor. So you actually never know. Maybe tomorrow if most of people in Russia start using Bitcoin and the US government will be the EU will be like, we, we are making this whole thing illegal. So yeah, on the regulation side, that's the fear. But also on the good side, I, I think a lot of people have lost money in uh, crypto. And yeah, some regulation won't hurt just to prevent people from, to prevent these scammers from um, buying a lot of money from people. So yeah, I think that's that's what I think about the future. Okay, so yeah, you're right that um, some people are on either side of this regulation issue. You're like, if we add any regulation, you're stifling innovation and uh, that's not good. Or if you're too lax, then people are going to get scammed. So it's a matter of trying and figuring it out. Some countries might overdo it and some countries have already overdone it when it comes to regulation. But um, in general, I am still, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm comparing this to the internet. Like if, they, if, 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 if a country was to ban the internet, okay, like China did, um, how many of them would be able to survive without that necessary infrastructure? And some, and because this is, this is technology we're talking about, it can be the difference between your economy succeeding or collapsing. And I feel like because our world is so globalized and everything is so connected. Um, if a technology comes along that just captures people's attention 
it's going to be difficult for regulation to um to completely stifle it in some way because even pirating still <laughs> happens nowadays in spite of all the people who have um uh you know made laws about that thing so that i feel like in in reality there will be a limit to how much regulation can happen and the people who want to innovate will still have their opportunity but i completely agree with you about the energy and all of that stuff so one other proof of of um of of stuff proof of blockchain stuff is is called a uh, proof of humanity which is one i i recently heard about and the idea is to basically use human biometrics to store a copy of your identity and prove that that is you so just your biometrics and nothing else about you so no no other information about you um it's something that just i think is just starting so people are thinking about those kinds of things you also mentioned um something interesting about bitcoin which is that i i i see your perspective which is that it might be banned in the future somehow because it's too expensive in terms of energy um but um i would argue there that there's already so much energy wastage in other industries that it would not make sense to single out one industry like bitcoin like imagine the oil industry um still existing when the when the bitcoin industry is getting banned for using too much energy uh it's weird to me as well and at the same time as humanity we're not taking enough um um advantage of the natural energy that is being given to us but but yeah you're right and i there's a potential that bitcoin might in the future not be the the king anymore um i think ethereum probably might take that spot uh but i guess we'll see do you have any thoughts about anything i've said uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I think it reminds me of an interesting article I read yesterday uh, from Vitalik uh, on, on Bitcoin maximalism. Uh, so generally, I feel like yeah, guys who are hardcore Bitcoin have a point, you know, just trying to make it. Because what we know about Bitcoin is the original team uh, didn't actually pre-allocate anything to them. If uh, there is actually a chart which shows for all the the uh, the blockchains that came after Bitcoin, it's becoming more and more common for the team that comes up with it to actually allocate themselves a lot of uh, those coins. So you'll see, like, uh, with Ethereum, it was, I think, around 20%. Uh, when it came to Binance, it was around 50% uh, allocation to themselves. So uh, sometimes, you know, I just go through the uh, Bitcoin uh, subreddit and those are the people who actually consider everything other than Bitcoin as a, a shitcoin. And it, when you start, you know, thinking about it, you realize actually when Bitcoin came in, it wasn't, like there was enough opportunity for everyone to join in and benefit from it. 
But as time goes, you, you, you realize guys are coming up with coins every day. And it's not really to, you know, solve uh, major problems or anything, but it's actually the hidden agenda that is to actually to benefit themselves more than any other benefit that they are going to bring. So in a way, uh, I feel like Bitcoin scale sells because it's not like uh, anyone was there from day one uh, trying to capitalize on it. It's just something that happened. Uh, I assume out of goodwill, and it's, it just happens that the early adopters go to benefit more before you know the masses try to join in. So somehow, uh, as much as Bitcoin still makes the least. Uh, percentage of my portfolio but I still feel like uh, it is the OG and it's uncompromised and uh, somehow I feel like that's a selling point it has Awesome I think uh, next time you'll tell me more about that portfolio of yours so that I know what I should be looking at <laughs> Alright, yeah, sure <laughs> So um did I have one more thing? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, how amazing is it that uh, this person, Satoshi, like put away all the greed and all of that stuff to give us anonymously this technology? Like imagine in, uh, in the modern world, someone coming from nowhere, giving us something that completely changes the world. That's just like in history, that's going to be a, a weird moment, right? It is, and I think that's the most amazing thing about Bitcoin. Like, it doesn't have these fancy use cases, doesn't solve uh, any big problems, uh, you know. But just the fact that its origins are ample and with equal opportunities, not meant to benefit anyone in particular, I feel like, yeah, that's the biggest selling point.